We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Cal fans? We are back. It's officially the first week of college football. I'm so excited to be here alongside my co-host, Rob. We are, of course, the California Golden Bearcast. You have found us because we are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are here with some enthusiasm and some optimism because we're undefeated. We're going into the last season of Pac-12 football ever, maybe? And... We got North Texas on the calendar. We got some uh, season preview, bold predictions going down. We got a quick update that we're going to talk to about the conference realignment fiasco, drama, have and the have nots. Continuing our conversation from last time, but first we got to check in with the effervescent Rob. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm gonna try to give so much energy right now, but it's it's tough. It's we're recording this at 9:15 a.m. Pacific time. I literally got home three hours ago or six hours ago. Sorry. Six hours ago uh, from Oppenheimer, the IMAX 70 mil, 70 mil version. Um, so I, I'm still seeing atomic bombs in that type of like a practical effect, like just blast white light into my eyes. No spoilers, bro. Um, no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. No spoilers <laughs> about a biography. Um, and a historical historical uh, movie. But yes. You're lucky there's cow relevance here. Otherwise, I'd cut you off. But yeah, it's poetic because we're talking about cow stuff. And the entire campus is basically shown in that movie. So... Where I'm doing, I'm gonna try and scrounge up as much energy as I possibly can out of the depths of uh, my very, very low volume of energetic battery right now. But it's the season; it's 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 upon us. Like I'm, I don't know. Did it feel like the season went by, or the off season went by faster this year, or slower? It kind of feels a little bit faster. Maybe it's just because of all the news that happened during the off season, but it, it felt so. less. It felt less long than most other years. I mean, all time moves really fast now with 
<laughs> a baby and being a parent, I'd say uh, the fact that Eva is six months is insane. That was so fast. But I did feel like because of the drama of the conference realignment, I think this is a nice segue into that where we just, I feel like I've been plugged in. I feel like I've been more plugged into that than actually the team. I hate to admit it, but it sort of feels like this season matters a lot, obviously. Um, but if we don't get the conference alignment stuff done, there's some bigger implications behind that than necessarily what our record is this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think my attention has very much gone to where are we going? You know, is it going to be the ACC? Are we going to be left out of the ACC? Are we going to rebuild the Pac-12? Are we going to have to merge with the Mountain West or with the um, American Athletic Conference? Or is it the Big 12 rumor that Michael Silver uh, said that he had sources saying that the Big 12 was trying to make a play to keep all four teams, which is obviously the most ideal scenario, I think, for, um, for keeping what is special about college football alive. And then um, is the Big Ten making a surprise move back in, which I have sort of been thinking was going to happen the whole time. I think a couple of friends of mine, uh, shout out to my buddy Stefan who said that. Rob, you obviously said that as well. But we're thinking that the ACC flirtation is just a way of getting the Big Ten to, to eventually come back and come back faster because it makes way more sense for them to come and swoop up the – you know, Cal Stanford, I would love if it included Washington State and Oregon State, but I don't think um, I've heard anything like that, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, with all that going on, <clears throat> I don't think there's been any conversation in at least my Cal thread about anything else except for one thing. Do you want to guess what that is? Quarterbacks? Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> The people are hyped about Auburn. Auburn is going to be dope. But that, I mean, yeah, so I think it really has kept, you know, fall camp starting at the end of July always sort of builds up the enthusiasm. And then I'm usually reading the articles that are, you know, the QB battle to your point earlier or what Nick's takes are on the outlook of the offense or you know, some storylines from last season. Will the offensive line be better? What will the running back room look like after dealing with some injuries? You know, how are we going to look um, getting pressure on the quarterback in our defensive line? Like, at the end of the day, like, we know where our team is going to win and lose. Like, we have to get better on the offensive line. We have to get better on the defensive line. If we can do those things, I think we'll be competitive. Um, but, yeah, normally you're reading that. And instead, I have just been reading experience exclusively news on conference realignment (laughs) yeah so i know you know what it means rob is i'm just a part of the problem (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i i i'd agree i mean like you know i'm in tune with it just because i was at practice and you know just wanting to be in in the know for that type of stuff as as much as possible regarding you know the team and questions regarding the team and and all that but yeah it's it's tweet mentions and all that stuff and the information that i and you know 
luckily privy to, I think, uh, has geared towards conference realignment easily for like the last three months. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at. I mean, where things stand right now is, you know, apparently there was supposed to be a meeting on Monday uh, with the ACC presidents. And I guess it was to hash out some more details and potentially have a vote on offering us an invitation in the ACC. Uh, but the unfortunate um, uh, incident at UNC on Monday caused that vote to get delayed. And now I don't think I've seen anything about like if it was rescheduled or not. I think out of respect for you know the the UNC uh, community. Um, so maybe that happens. Maybe that still happens towards the end of this week. But then I also know like there's a I think a, a hurricane just made landfall on in Florida, right? So who knows? Maybe that impacts uh, FSU and, and Miami. So maybe that uh, delays the another rescheduling of the meeting. Um, so who knows what happens there? But everyone who's in the know is it feels, or at least the journalists in the know and are reporting on this. It definitely feels like they're like leaning towards this ACC uh, thing happening. Like Mike Silver put out a tweet, I think yesterday talking about um, by all accounts from his side and and the things he's hearing is it's pretty much done um, is what he's basically saying on Twitter. So yeah, I mean, if that's how it goes, that's how it goes. Um, I think we, the big thing here is we kind of know what the financial numbers are going to look like. And that's, the key of driving all of this like you know as you said the reason it's so important is because this sets us this sets the athletic department up for the next you know five to eight years that's realistically big picture wise not as important as just like a single season of football um so i think that's kind of what it's leaning towards with just the financial numbers coming out um all of those leaks and then to your point like maybe the reason all that is leaking is to maybe entice the big 10 to come back in with a, with a competitive offer because of how low the, the finances, uh, the financial numbers are um, that we would be getting from the ACC. Uh, So maybe that's, maybe that's what they're doing. I, I still think like it's 99% done. We're joining the ACC, but you know, you never know with these things and anything can happen last minute. And then you had like the Minnesota, AD, I think yesterday come out and say like the Big Ten is not done expanding, so I I I don't know anything at this point. I I'm merely rolling and riding the wave like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there is really good alignment with the ACC in the sense that I think the fact that every the presidents did step back away from something like football in you know give the appropriate amount of space for UNC to handle something like a shooting on campus i mean i hate to say this like i just don't know if that exists at in other places and so like you can understand why from an institutional perspective why there's good alignment there because that from a values perspective is absolutely how we would want that to be handled. Um, I don't know. Like I'm not saying that that couldn't happen at the SEC. I just don't know. You know, football kind of reigns supreme 
in all aspects of our lives. And gun violence is something that we're all wildly <clears throat> accustomed to, which is super sad. Um, and so I did appreciate that they were like, yeah, there's more important things going on. And to your point, yeah, there's a hurricane rolling through. Definitely won't. Uh, I don't think Miami, but Florida State for sure. And then uh, it, it'll cruise into Georgia and North Carolina, uh, or sorry, South Carolina as well. So, um, you know, ACC overall, in looking at the map, it's it's an interesting one. And how they will navigate that with non-revenue sports, like how tennis and how these other programs and gymnastics are going to be forced to operate is quite fascinating. I know there's other programs that will not have to deal with that, given that they operate in different conferences already. Uh, but it's a it's a landing spot that's quite interesting for Cal because it's not like the problems that plague the Pac-12. It's not like the ACC is immune to those. You already have some dissenters in the conference that want to go elsewhere, like Florida State. You have UNC, who is kind of like the UCLA, where it's like the friendly public school that does have a little bit of the wandering eye. <laughs> However, um, a little bit seems to be a little bit more loyal to NC State and, yeah. uh, than UCLA was to Cal. And then, um, yeah, and then you have some others where they, you know, like Louisville and, uh, and some other programs that really want to keep the ACC strong and uh, find a way to make it work. And then Notre Dame, like, which is kind of, I can see the, both sides of this where they're, they're like super excited about it, um, which is great for them. And then you have other members that are like, it's dope that you're excited about it, but like, you're only with us for like, you're not with us with football. So you're like independent in your biggest revenue sport. So who are you to say anything? <laughs> yep. Um, and so I think it's, but yeah, so I think the big thing for me is Cal will get the security they need and the payouts, the revenue payouts that are super important. And it's well done in regards to like, I think the financial structuring of it and then eventually becoming a full paying member. But if college football is really just going undergoing massive realignment, it's hard to not look at this and say, I could see Cal kind of being in the same position on the outside looking in unless we have a really good football year this year and a really good basketball year um, the next couple of years. Like, I think if our programs start to turn it around, the odds of that will be lessened. But if we continue to be like kind of like irrelevant, but like fun, but irrelevant, but like, you know what I mean? Like largely nationally irrelevant. If, the ACC were to dissolve in some way or the ACC were to fall apart or like they do bring litigation against the grant of rights and then the grant of rights falls apart. I mean, yeah, Cal could be in this position in two years. Like, no, like, I just think that's like very realistic. Um, I do. I think Cal's one of the programs that should be in this like proposed, you know, top 65, what have you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it doesn't mean that we wouldn't, we wouldn't have control on our own future unless our performance on the field, and I'm talking about like top 15 finish football, top 15, you know, NCAA run in basketball. If you had those two, like something that's going to bring national relevance to the brand of Cal from an athletic standpoint, very much like the national title run that San Diego State had, 
last season just vaulted them up. I think you I think you have to have that in order to feel like pretty good about your what your position might be should the ACC fold in a couple of years due to I don't know, some lawyer figuring out a way to get Florida State, UNC uh, out of the grant of rights and into the SEC. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point. I think um, the big thing that, you know, it's it's weird, right? Because it's like I was saying how it's short-sighted just to um, look at a football season just, just from this season's perspective uh, because we have to talk about a move to the ACC or other conference that'll set us up for the next five to eight years. But a bigger picture from that is if we don't change how the athletic department operates or maybe even how the university operates in putting athletics and the money that it brings in on a higher priority, um, then we're going to be in this same situation when the ACC does fall apart or when the grant of rights is up and where there's another like round of, of realignment happening. So we're in a we're in a really weird but good place right now where if this if, if we get if we get a life lifeboat from the ACC and we survive this first round of um, realignment and with a new chancellor potentially coming in next year and um, I don't know. I mean we we do know that uh, our AD is currently under investigation and um, with the the McKeever uh, incident and the allegations there. So if we, let's say, potentially have a new AD going into next season as well, then you have a new chancellor, a new AD in a new conference. And all of the donors probably are thinking we don't want to have to go through this again. Um Maybe you see a change there. Maybe you see a, a brand new, just clean slate um, type of move. Like we need to get our act together as an athletic department and modernize um, within the next five years, especially with the financial situation um, of us not being in debt anymore. I know that the thing, it, the the narrative has always been us about being in debt, but like with campus taking on a portion of the stadium debt, like I think our, our, uh, our fiscal numbers actually had us from the athletics department perspective in the green um, last fiscal cycle. So like, we're going to start to see that, that effect of campus taking on the debt in our, in our fiscal like um, reports. And it started last year. And so maybe that's the, the, the initial wave to start changing how we operate and, uh, like making sure that Cal Athletics does survive and is pushed into that conversation of, oh yeah, they're uh, and changing the narrative and, and the thoughts of people about us that we don't care about athletics, but we actually do. I was going to say, it sounds like you were, I was, I thought you were being very like coy about where you're going about the 80s stuff. And then you just came out and said it. That's what we, that's the Oppenheimer effects, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yes, I totally agree. I mean, I think, I think it, it is one of those things where if you look at like, you're like, all right, we're in the ACC now, maybe that gives some level of higher credibility, you know, more sustainable future. Um, want to bring in an ACC caliber 
athletic director. And, you know, I just don't know what Knowlton is doing right now. And I think, like, it would be great. You know, he started off very promising with Knowlton's notes because I was like, oh, this is going to be very transparent. We're going to have a lot of an idea of, like, what's happening, what's the decision architecture going in and behind the scenes. And they really haven't done a good job with that because I think the potential of it is really good. But you just don't – it's not frequent enough and it's not transparent enough to really do what I think they need it to do. And instead, it just ends up being, like, shit that we already knew. (laughs) Um, And and so I think, like, it's, like, one of those things that is worth stepping away from. It's, like, why do we do what we do? Like, why are we doing this at the Cal Athletic Department? Why do we do these things these ways? And is this really, like, having the impact that we want to be having? Is it creating that familiarity with Knowlton so that he does have a better connection with fans? I don't think so. I think that's, like, a big miss for him. Uh, is that, like, <coughs> he doesn't have quite, like, Sandy, for better or for worse, like, everyone kind of knew how Sandy operated, right? Like, Sandy was going to take big swings. She was going to go and be competitive with coaches, and um, we kind of had the sense of, like, all right, we knew what the athletic, de- like, the department was. Mike Williams, we knew that the athletic department was all over the place. Like, <laughs> Um, and that's a terrible brand. Like you don't want that, but I just don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. And I've met Knowlton a few times. Um, we certainly interact with him, uh, being a part of the press and it's not like he's, he's a good dude from all I can tell, like from my purview, seems like a good dude and, um, cares deeply about student athletes, which is definitely a top priority for what an athletic director should be focused on. I just don't have an understanding of how he thinks about these problems, of how he thinks about how to get football more competitive. How, how do we think about getting basketball turnaround or the decision process to bring in a new coach like Mark Madsen? You know, just like there's these opportunities to give insight into this is how we think about doing things here at Cal Athletics. This is the way we go about our business. These are the values and standards that we stand behind that guide our vision going forward that you would find at most companies. You'd find definitely at other athletic departments. And I don't know if it's because we sit outside of it. I don't feel like I have that. I don't know if it's because I am not on social media. Who knows? Maybe they're doing that all the time on Instagram and I just never see it. So like that could also be it. But that's sort of what I wish we were seeing more there. Um, But on a separate, quick separate note, I wanted to talk about <clears throat> the ACC stuff. The the one thing I don't want to get lost in this is the consistency. Like, I've been trying to make sure that I'm consistent with this. No matter which way this goes, I mean, if it goes where Cal and Stanford go to the ACC, we have to recognize what it does to Oregon State and Washington State. Yeah. And it's the same thing that everybody else did to us. It's And it's the same conversation we talked about last time. Somebody gets left holding the bag. Somebody does. You know, yep. it might not be the first investor in GameStop, but one of those retail investors that came in and was like, hey, this is dope. I have $700 to spend due to this, you know, government handout and they lose it all. Somebody gets left holding that. And um, it's just hard for me to celebrate too much of a solution that isn't the four. And I understand why it can't be the four. But 
I, I hate that those two programs are potentially getting left behind in this because we are solutioning to your point, Rob, that you've made to me several times is like, we're solutioning for money. We're not solutioning for logic. Yeah. All of this is just a money grab security. It's the haves, it's the have nots, but it just logically, it makes no fucking sense. It just doesn't make sense. Why would you not stick as a four? Logically, that would absolutely be the option. But it doesn't matter because the logic doesn't, all logic goes out the window when you have billions of dollars that are dictating. It doesn't matter. No one cares. It's like, all right. And so it's a huge, it's a huge it's the same, like, that's why I think, like, when the Big 12 stuff came out, and I was like, oh, sick. Or let's say if Big 10 rumors start coming out, I will support those more than the ACC. I would love to go to the ACC. Don't get me wrong. Like, those road trips would be amazing. Um, I think the conference is, you know, very well respected. From a basketball standpoint, it would be unbelievably competitive and cool to have those teams coming through. Uh, to be able to see you know, North Carolina and Duke and Louisville and, and so many others actually come out to the West Coast. I just think it would be, it would bring back a lot of excitement to Haas Pavilion too. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> at the same time, like what makes more sense? It would be way better if the Big Ten came in, took the four remaining teams, laughably created the Big Ten West. <laughs> and... uh and then kept the continuity of the conference together. Uh, and then maybe you had whatever it would be. Um, I think it's what, the core eight. And then you would have maybe a couple of out of, you know, cross, like out of division road trips. Yeah. Uh, it would be very similar to the college football experience that we have had. And I think it would keep the traditions in place, it would stabilize those programs. Uh, from being left out and being forced to do something crazy with the Mountain West or the AAC or any other option that's out there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I. it's... uh. It just sucks because, 
like how do you balance the emotions of like survivor's remorse with like actually being remorseful of, about the the situation that you're leaving your teams behind in? Yep. Where I'm like, uh, like, oh, I'm so excited. Like, you know, we're we're gonna be all right. But then at the same time, you know, like two other fan bases are like they're devastated. Um, and I tweeted that out uh, like last week or two weeks ago. Just like I'm, I'm having trouble like just uh, figuring out where my emotions stand on that, or like how to balance both of those emotions. Because every time I hear something about the ACC, I'm like, great, we're surviving. But like. But that also means someone else isn't. Yeah. So, dude, it's not like I think I love that. And then I think the second piece to that as well, as well for me, I'm not even that excited about football. Like, I'll just be honest about it. Like, it has significantly dampened. So, here's how this is I think this is going to go way more down on football than I've ever been in the last 10 years. Like, hands down. Just because of all the BS, all of the money chasing, and like the end of the sport as we know it. However, then very quickly, fast follow behind that will be, this is the last season of the football that we know, the football that we grew up with, and the traditions that we had before, during, and after college. So then it's like fully maximizing every single second (laughs) of that season, right? And they're just going to go all in and live every moment, love every moment, see all as you know, attend every single game that I possibly can, attend every single t- tailgate, like just being present to what is ending. Yep. <clears throat> but then from there, I'm quite curious about what does this look like going forward? What does this mean um for my own fandom beyond this year? Is it because you know, I think with that change I say this sometimes like that people love the concept of change, but then the action of changing itself is much more painstakingly slow than I think a lot of people would admit. Yep. So it's like, oh yeah, I would love to do that. I would love to operate in this different way. And then it's like, okay, well like do it. And they're like, ah, maybe tomorrow. (laughs) Right. And it's like, I think, I wonder how much will I wonder how many people will come through the change or if it will create an even more apathetic fan base and that you'll lose some of the because let's be honest the diehards have been carrying the fan base through these last 10 years that's it like there's the casual fan has died right like the casual fan is not propping up Cal football yep. the loyalists who have been going to every single game have been carrying that 20 to 30 to 40,000 attendance. That is the group that's been carrying this. And that is the group that is most affected by conference realignment. And so unless the casuals are brought back in, which is possible with more intriguing schedules that people would be like, oh, like who is like Notre Dame's coming to Cal, like that would be pretty cool. Or um, <laughs> Miami's coming to Cal, like that would be pretty cool. Like a rematch of the bowl, the Emerald Bowl game. So unless that pulls in the casual fans, if you risk the the diehard fans, then there may be even more of a like let's be you know the West Coast. Okay, I have a million things I could do because I live on the West Coast, and that's a privilege. 
Therefore, should I invest it in football? No. All right. You know, if I care less now than going to the park or swimming or going on a hike or whatever you want to do with your time, um, or even staying home and watching these now like super matchups that are going to happen in the bigger conferences between the SEC or the Big Ten. So if your casuals go to the national, if they become national casuals instead of regional casuals, then who carries like who carries the torch forward? Because you're also risking the people that love the tradition, that loves going out and introducing others to that tradition. And now those are not those people are not as invested. And it's I don't know, man, it's a pretty fascinating time for the sport of college football. It's a pretty fascinating time to be a Cal fan. And I am quite curious, like what the next few years will look like. And I do think that I can't wait to revisit this podcast and maybe in 2025, because I think that the people that are going to be the most right are like the ones that are predicting that it'll become a major, like a minor league conference. I don't know if it's like, I think it was, um, <coughs> Utah's head coach that said that he anticipated like not even having to go to class. It'll like straight up be minor league NFL. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't, I can't see a disassociation with being a student. Like that doesn't make any sense to me, but everything else I thought was spot on. I think, it becoming a super conference that the NCAA will go away. I'm like convinced of that. There's no need for it. There's no need for it. They're so poorly run. They have no actual governing body that anybody cares about. They've given away all of their authority. They don't have it. They've literally given it away. The NCAA will go away. It'll be run by, you know, network or a group of presidents or something like that. I think all of that was... 100% 100% spot on. The only piece I was like, eh, them not being students, I think there'll be some component about having to be a student, having to carry some class load. Maybe it won't be as intense. You could see them reducing that down so that the main focus can be on football. And then there'll be a big emphasis eventually on coming back and getting your degree afterwards, a la uh, Sauce Gardner, a la Steph Curry, you know, and like creating more, I think, cool events when athletes come back to actually complete their degree. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I think the the thing that I I can't remember if it was, I was talking to you about this or someone else, but like my thing of this is the networks are basically making a bet right right now, and they're betting that there are more college football fans out there that would want to watch. Ohio, Michigan for the nth time over <laughs> uh, fans that will follow Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, Stanford, you know, all of those individual fan bases of these uh, smaller quote unquote fan bases watching those games. That's what they're betting on. And once again, it's, as you said, like, it's going to be fascinating to see in a couple of years whether those bets were right. Yeah. Because um, if it doesn't play out like they think, then they vastly misjudged college football for what it is because that, like, that's what we understand college football to be. Their view of college football and the viewership of college football 
is will it is it out of touch or was it on the pulse? We we won't know for a few years. And here's I mean from my perspective, right? Just mine. I think that where they will miss is in they will miss on they will miss on the matchups being that people will buy into the matchup and saying that <clears throat> this matchup is so good I have to watch this. The thing that you don't understand about the regional side is with Cal, it's like I have a quote unquote hall pass anytime I put it on the calendar. It's like it's Saturday, it's game day season. It's like, hey, if you're getting married, don't get married during football season. <laughs> right? Like I do not miss the Cal games. Like I don't miss them. I schedule time to make sure that I'm there. I have plans. If I can't see it, I watch it later. Like there's a commitment that that is something that I don't miss. And if LSU is playing Alabama, like that's cool. And that's a great matchup. And sure, I would love to see it. But I don't have a hall pass to watch LSU Alabama. I don't have a get-out-of-jail-free card that I can play that say it's Cal football season. That does not exist. If it's a big game, everyone knows I go to the big game. Like, <laughs> there's, <laughs> right? There's not a single person that's like, oh, yeah, hey, can I schedule you for big game weekend? Nope, absolutely not. Andy's booked that weekend. Booked in advance for the next 25 years. Like, cannot be there. Or cannot be anywhere else besides there. So I, I think that that's where they'll miss is that the matchups will be more intriguing and they'll probably pull in more casual fans. But that's what I think is like the diehard fans that are left on the outside may not. I don't think you're going to get those Washington State or Oregon State fans after the sport literally left them behind or with us too. I mean, we're still in this limbo as well. Mm-hmm. If the sport leaves you behind, why am I interested in watching LSU versus Alabama? Especially if it just becomes minor league NFL, where I already have my issues with the NFL. So if I've got to cross that anyways and go against some of my own like anxieties about watching two different, like a bunch of people go and run at each other at full speed and give themselves life altering brain damage then i'm gonna go watch the niners and i'll just go to the nfl and commit to my team there and say cool i'm all in on the niners again i'll pull back from college football and because college football is essentially just the same thing with a little bit more offense and a little bit more innovation right that is an l that you cannot that cannot be the outcome of college football. I really hope it isn't because that's so boring and it just doesn't hold the same meaning. It, I'm sure it does for those fan bases. If you're an LSU fan, you're listening to this. I don't know why you're listening to this, but you're like, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> but like for me on the outside, yeah, dude, like no way, man. And I will watch, dude, I will watch an Oregon game. I will watch these other games. But if you think I'm going to sit down and tell my wife, no, I cannot hang out with you and our baby girl and do something meaningful with my life. I have to watch Oregon go play Rutgers or even Oregon-Penn State. Like, that would be a dope matchup. Let's give it, like, an actual good matchup. USC-Penn State. Like, oh, that's a good game. That'd be sick. You know, and 
I'm like, all right, but are you going to be able to overcome all of my other priorities? Because once again, I don't have the hall pass. I cannot say I need to miss out on time with my daughter to watch USC play Penn State. It's just not, it just doesn't work that way. But if I said I needed to spend time watching Cal play Florida, I got that. I got that. Will Cal play Oregon State? Will Cal play Washington State? Will Cal play anybody? I have that. North Texas, I'm on vacation. I'm on the East Coast. Guess what's on my calendar? North Texas on Saturday. (laughs) Cal versus North Texas. North freaking Texas. That's what I mean. That's the specialness of what college football is <laughs> and the more that we pull that away from uh from various fans I, I do think that there's a big risk there rob and i think it's an excellent point that you made <laughs> well i think we've talked about that long enough should we go into talking about this season and get a little bit more excited for that game that you're talking about north texas 1 p.m. Pacific time, ESPNU, the Bears kickoff in Denton, Texas, where it's expected to reach 102 by kickoff. <laughs> 102. That's it? I think the humidity, I mean, it depends on the humidity point, right? If the humidity point's like at like 60 yeah. something percent, oh, yeah. that is disgusting. Yeah, awful. Awful. All right, Andy, let's do this. We're going to talk about some of our predictions for the season uh get into some fan questions and listener questions and points and we're gonna we're just gonna go from there what do you think i love it all right let's dive right into this but as before we start andy do you have any overarching hot takes uh do you have like one you want to throw out there just off the bat yeah i mean i have my usual ones um, which is, <laughs> I could, I think I see Cal this year. What was I going to say? I was going to originally say something ridiculous, but why not start <laughs> with just something nice? Like eight and four, eight wins, four losses. Okay. Eight wins, four losses. Can and I, then, can I ask where the four losses come? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I really think we're going to beat Auburn at home. Okay. Realize people think I'm going to be a little bit crazy for that one. Um, so I think North Texas is a win. Obviously, we're going to lose at Idaho. <laughs> you mean lose lose at home to Idaho? <laughs> just just kidding. All right. So North Texas, the, hmm, the, let me come back to the Auburn game. So worst case, we got to be two and one by the time that Washington's coming to town. Yeah. Or sorry, we're going to Washington. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna call that a loss. Arizona State, nobody's motivated to play for them because they are ineligible. So let's call that a dub. Let's see, Oregon's damn. Our schedule is rough, bro. Yeah, it's a it's, it's rough a tough eight schedule. Eight and four. I'm I'm calling it now. All right, wins. Let's see. All right, we'll lose USC. We'll lose Utah. Yeah, I think we're going to have a rough, rough October, November. <laughs> we're going to lose Oregon. All right, fine. And 
That's three losses that came in the middle of the season. Where's that fourth loss coming from? I'm going mad hype, dude. One, two, three. Let's say we start the season th- six and zero. Oh? No, I'm going one, two, <laughs> three, four, five. We're gonna start the season five and zero. Oh. We're gonna beat North Texas. We're gonna beat Auburn. We're gonna beat Idaho. We're gonna beat Washington, and we're gonna beat Arizona State. We'll lose against Oregon State. And then lose Utah, lose USC, lose Oregon, and then win Washington State, win California, or sorry, win Stanford, and then win UCLA. How about that? Oh. How about that for a season? <laughs> God, that's incredible. If you're telling that's me incredible. the last time we play at Oregon State at home is the homecoming game, and we're gonna lose to them, <laughs> that just yeah, PTSD. PTSD. Dude, Oregon. I want to root for all the teams that have something to play for. Oregon State is going to come out so angry. So I'm just like, I'm ready for that mayhem. And I'm like, I'm rooting for them. I want like Washington State to come out super angry. They, I'll root for them in every single game except for against us. So I'm saying Oregon State comes out. I'm going to say we're going to have that same mentality. Hopefully Stanford comes out with that same mentality too. I want all of these teams that are like, y'all left us. We're going to come after you. Especially Washington now knowing that it actually wasn't Oregon. It was Washington that was the one that got cold feet at right as they were going to sign the, sign the grant of rights for the Pac-12 uh, deals sticking together, and they bounced the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a dub. We're going to be angry. We're going to be fired up. I hope the coaches are all about it. They're like, these people left you. They think you're better than you. Play that underdog card. Come out and just smack them in the mouth on the road. Love it. And then Oregon State will come in here and do the same thing to us, especially if we sign with the ACC and leave them behind. <laughs> It's just full realignment madness, Rob. That's what I'm going for. Just chaos. Just pure chaos. That's what you want. Yes. I'm kind of on board. I'm kind of on board with the eight and four uh, storyline here. Um, Yeah, I mean, dude, that that start would be get us so hyped. And then that middle of the season would be devastating. Doldrums. Doldrums. (laughs) I mean, going five and zero, and then going zero and four, would be devastating. <laughs> it's full pain. Oh my it's god! Pain. Yeah, and then ending the season three and zero, dude. Talk about a roller coaster of a season. Oh my god! It's like you, you're like, all right, we can't lose. Our team's too good. We can't lose. Oh my god, our team is terrible. We're gonna lose every single game. Okay, maybe we're not as bad as we thought. Like that's it's kind of what the Giants Giants the San Francisco Giants season has been this year. I'm not gonna lie. June, best team ever. July, awful. August, even worse. And now as we're going into September. Yeah, we're not bad. We might be on fire again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Just the oh my uh, yeah. I, I don't even want to imagine like the comment section during like that five game stretch and then that four game stretch. Yeah. Oh. Okay, yeah, all right, but I'm on board with that. Uh, we have some questions and comments that are that are tied to that, so I'm gonna read them out for you, Andy. It's uh, we've got one that says uh, manifesting 12 and 0, but would happy would, would be happy with a six and six with this schedule. I I would agree with that. I you know I think you were talking about it too. The schedule's not not nice. Um, uh, N Kicker says uh, which. Pac-12 stadiums will you miss going to? And which one will you not miss going to? And are there any ACC ones you're interested in visiting? Um, 
Oh, I love that. I can kind of answer this one, and then you can answer it as well. I think Pac-12 Stadium that you're, I'm going to miss going to. Uh, let's see. I haven't been to many, but I mean, I think the traditional ones are are definitely the ones I'm going to miss, uh, just because of all the memories, like the Rose Bowl, Coliseum, Autzen, uh Husky Stadium. Or I think, yeah, I think just because of the history and the 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 moments that we've had. Uh, which ones am I not going to miss going to? I hate to say it, but it's like it's the ones that's hardest to get to. <laughs> like, uh, I would agree, Eugene's kind of hard to get to too. But Corvallis is just as hard. Um, Pullman's definitely hard to get to. So yeah, any ACC ones I'm interested in visiting for football? Uh, Clemson definitely is up there. Um, Syracuse and the Carrier Dome is up there. Uh, Miami to a certain degree. Um, I don't think I, I can't think of any other teams, but that that would be mine. But what about you? Yeah, I, it's kind of weird. I think the one that I'll miss going to the most is also the one that I'll be happiest not to go to. It's like the Rose Bowl is super special because you have all the tradition there, and it's just like it's the Rose Bowl, you know, and like. To be able to play a game there every other year and have the specialness that is that stadium, um, I think it's great. And then I also think the stadium is like kind of crappy and it's like in the middle of nowhere. It's super hot. You guys sit in a shit ton of traffic and it's like, I'm not going to miss it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. So it's like both like I'll miss the tradition of it, but I won't miss like actually being there. Yep. Uh, but I think if I was like literally going to miss one the most, I love going to Austin, dude. It's so much fun. Oregon is is like going to Eugene, and that's so beautiful up there in Pacific Northwest. And and then the stadium itself is just so loud, mm-hmm. so rambunctious, and like such good tradition between Cal and Oregon. I really felt like their ascension to being a competitive program was right around when we sort of reached the peak of ours, mm-hmm. and it like we were kind of ships crossing in the night a little bit, but we did have a very intense rivalry there because of the ties with Tedford. And we still have a little bit of that because of Wilcox. So I just think like uh, to think that we're not going to be able to, to play Oregon more consistently and, uh, and have those trips. Like that's the one that's going to hurt me the most. Um, I also like going to USC, but you know, the it's, it's in a terrible neighborhood and there's not just like, it's just not as cool. Uh, I don't think as like some of the other ones. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, as far as, like, ACC goes, like, tons of good options. I think Clemson would get, like, Louisville. Going out to Louisville would be, like, amazing. I would love to go out there. Um, <coughs> North Carolina, like, is an absolute, absolutely beautiful campus. I won't go to Duke. Uh, you'd have to, like, literally hold a gun to me to go back to Duke's campus. Um, but it's it's beautiful for all of those that haven't been. Um yeah, I think uh, – and then Florida State. Like, I, Miami, I'm like, eh. But, like, Florida State would be super, super cool. Uh, I've heard great things about it. Uh, would love to kind of get I – don't, I don't love Florida overall, but it would be cool to go down there and get to experience a game, um, I think, just in those environments. Football hits a little bit different. 
in that part of the country. And uh, very much like the same the same way it kind of does in the Midwest. It's uh, it would be so super cool to see. So, all right, those are those are our picks. Um, some other questions about the the schedule here. Um, Kai Kai sends us uh, his hot take: unexpected loss, ASU, unexpected win at UCLA. Yeah. I love that. That's not a bad one. That's not a bad pick. I think those are reasonable ones. <clears throat> um, but he does throw in the question, what Pac-12 team do you want to beat the most one last time? I SC is so easy the pick here for me. Like it's just it's easily the pick. <laughs> but what about you? I want to I want to beat UW. UW? Yeah. UW you want to beat the most one last yeah. time? I do. I do, man. I'm really leaning into the realignment drama. <laughs> just going to like circle the ones that I like think are most responsible. SC is like, SC is really public enemy number one and full. And, and the fact that they like hired the AD from Washington right after Washington pulls all those snaky maneuvers. I was like, ah, y'all are such snakes. SC is just like the <laughs> university of snakes, bro. Like my goodness. So, yeah, I guess SC is, like, right up there. I would love to beat USC. Lincoln Riley ruined their their all the Heisman hopeful national championships stuff. That would be great. But, yeah, I would love to yep. surprise UW on the road uh, one more time. Yeah. I mean, on off of that is uh, we have one more from uh, Cal, uh, Cal Tangila on Twitter. It says, hot take. Cal knocks off two top 25 teams this year. I mean, it's not even that hot. Like, I hate to say it, but, like, we have to. Just look at the schedule. Well, I mean, <laughs> as of right now, we play five. Yeah, dude. It's like, like we have to. Like, in order to have any semblance of a good season, we're going to have to do the Wilcox upsets. Like, we're going to have to do it. Yeah. But, I mean, according to your eight and four, though, we'd only knock off one. Yeah, I know. That's too bad. <laughs> That's okay. We'll lose. Well, yeah, it's all chalk, man. It's all chalk. Uh, <laughs> it's the chalk roller coaster. All right. Uh, there's a couple more other ones, but I want to dive into maybe some of our hot takes or uh, predictions for the year. Anything? Uh, I know you went one. I'll uh, I'll throw in one. I think. Um, I think defensively. I think this defense, if everyone remains healthy, right? Knock on wood. Um, will be the best defense under the Justin Wilcox era of Cal football. Hey, give me a, like why? I think, I think there's there's talent and depth at every single position, and the drop off from one to two isn't as severe as it had been in years past. Um, I think bringing back. Or uh, just having guys like Ricky Correa develop over last year, having Stanley back um, allows, you know, a healthy Brett to actually play on the defensive end instead of having to play, you know, inside. And then, of course, just the athleticism that they've brought in on the outside. Like, Miles Jernigan was actually low-key really good for us um, with edge pressure. The only issue was that he was the only one, which meant that 
they could double team him. They could shift the the line alignment all over to his side. And that's why we didn't see him maybe get, you know, more sacks and such. So if, if he can maintain that with the additions that we've had with Reese and, you know, Carlton being healthy, like that's a nice rotation um, all, of, all along the edges to actually generate pressure on the quarterback um, and set the edges. Defensive backs wise, like this is one hell of a talented group. I mean, I didn't expect Noel Williams to be this good this fast. Um, I severely underrated Patrick Morris. Um, like I'll I'll take I'll take the L on that. Um and just, you know, Craig Craig Woodson is a stud. So with not I mean we haven't talked about Lou and Earby like that are still here. So like there's just there's just so much talent there um and their ability to to play and be versatile is just huge like you look at the depth chart for north texas like i when i was watching fall camp like we were in our base quite often but then the 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 depth chart basically lists us playing like a like a two two four like a two four five is that right or did that number did the numbers work out there two four five yeah it does okay like a, like a two four five um so that just tells you that they they believe like we have the size to be able to play that and the speed table to, to be able to play that and not be mismatched so yeah all in all i think this is the most talented defense and probably the best defense we'll see production wise under justin wilcox and Lou's still number one corner, right? Yeah. Or him and Noel. It's yeah. It's gonna be it's him, Noel, and Irby are are definitely the three guys that are gonna be on rotation. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why we're playing that uh, that nickel, um, just because we can get all of those playmakers on the field. Plus, matchup wise, it makes sense um, with a team that's so wide receiver heavy. How are you feeling about like inside and outside linebackers? Well, I think outside's fine. Um, I I think it's as of right now. I think it's fine. It's a matter of production on the field, right? So, on paper, I like it. It's just there's a lot of guys that are unproven and haven't played together. Like Wilcox was talking about that in the presser yesterday, where he was like, "Look, like ultimately, like practice is going to be practice, and we're going to need to like show it on the field." But like, he's like, "There's like 50 new faces on the team." Like some of these guys have played a lot. Some of these guys have played a little, but basically a lot of these guys haven't played with each other. So there's going to be a learning curve there and how quickly they can adjust to that and get better off of that. Like is going to be, is one of the keys that he noted. Um, so I am fully on board with, with that take that there is talent there. You know, the guys have been talking about how this is probably the most talented roster that they've seen just like looking around and they're like, Oh, that guy's starter? Yeah, that makes sense. And they're like, wait, that guy's standing behind him? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> so, like, I I think they're being real genuine about that. So that's kind of where I feel is, uh, is the strength of this team, is that there's so much talent and there's not significant drop-off. Um, inside linebacker is 
that's uh that'll be an interesting thing to watch on Saturday, just because we know Sermon is entrenched as one of the starters. But the other one, like it's Caleb Elarmgor, who we projected as an outside linebacker, but they transitioned him to inside and he skyrocketed up the board and now he's starting. Um that's not to say the other guys... I will say usually when that happens with Wilcox though, they don't really miss. They don't. Like Lumazia Hearns did the same thing. Yep. Like they don't really miss on those guys. I feel like they're they've their track records yeah. speak for itself. Yeah, the Ashton Davises, the Lou Hearns of the world, like the it just yeah. Well, no one's no one's surprised. Uh so yeah, I think uh I mean you won't it won't only be KO. Like you'll see guys like uh like Ed Lottos and, and some of those other guys play too. So yeah, I am very excited. I think that this defense has the ability to to be very, very good. All right. Well, I love that take. I think that my guy, Sam Jackson, is going to run for 1,000 yards. What? (laughs) What? Oh, my good Lord. Dude, that guy is so electric. So electric. I'm so excited for him to be quarterback. And he's not 5'11", but that's okay. <laughs> I Yeah. So, I don't even know how to go about this. A thousand yards <laughs> rushing? Like, just... I don't, I don't... I can't even think of, like, how to follow up with that. <laughs> that's good. That's what this, this podcast is for. <laughs> To take the take the words out of your mouth. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I see. Like all I heard is clicking, so that's when we know we've made Rob's brain malfunction. Yeah, because like, I'm like looking up. Does the, not compute. I'm like looking up the compute. stats, right? Like <laughs> 2021, Chase Garbers. He rushed he for rushed 456 like yards. Yeah, double that. Thousand yards. Holy crap! Let's look at okay. 2019, Chase Garbers. 223 yards so (laughs) you're basically saying all of what chase garbers ran as the starting quarterback at cal is what sam jackson is going to do in a single season yeah it's basically what you're saying that at the least do you know the athletic difference between chase garbers and sam jackson that's still crazy to say a quarterback is going to rush for a thousand yards all right all right hold on hold on let me see. I want to know what Caleb Williams did last year. Let me just take a quick look. That's yeah. That's that's that is wild to me, my man. <laughs> All right, rushing. Ooh, I might have been a little aggressive. <laughs> yeah, Caleb Williams at three hundred eighty-two. He had four forty-two. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me find another example. What about like Lamar Jackson in college? His numbers are for I what about Kyler Murray's? I'll look up Kyler Murray's. Alright. He had Lamar had fifteen hundred rushing yards on two hundred and sixty carries. <laughs> yeah. Alright, cool. So like I'm saying like five hundred and sixty less than that. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> oh my god. 
Uh, I'm gonna call it a win. If he has, gets even close to 700, I'm taking. I'm calling this the win. I mean, okay. So Kyler Murray had a thousand and one. His final season at Oklahoma. You know what the crazier part about that is? They had three guys basically rush for a thousand. They had Kennedy Brooks r- rush for a thousand fifty six. Kyler Murray a thousand one, and Trey Sermon ran for nine hundred forty seven. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, they oh, had three guys over a hundred over a thousand yards uh from scrimmage. All right. Twenty twenty one Jaden Daniels and twenty twenty two Jaden Daniels. He had seven hundred and ten for Arizona State in twenty twenty one. Okay. And then eight hundred and eighty five for LSU. Okay, so I think that, that seven hundred to eight hundred mark is more realistic. I think if Yeah, but it's not hot unless it's not, it's, it's not. I'm, but I, I will say this: If he's rushing for a thousand yards, right? We might win ten games. We might win ten games. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to put that caveat in there: that like, if he's rushing for a thousand yards, that totally changes the trajectory of this season. <laughs> Absolutely changes. <laughs> That's why we got the preseason hot takes, Rob. Yeah, That's but, why. But now look, let me. I'll, I'll bring it back to earth a little bit if he does rush for a thousand yards the only thing that deters him from the 10 wins is if he throws like 30 picks <laughs> right like, that's the that's the negative to to, to make it equilibrium he rushes for a thousand yards for throws 10 interceptions a game yeah <laughs> then then you know then that thousand yards means nothing yeah it's it's very true um but yeah i Dude, look, if he's rushing for a thousand yards and it's like a on a positive trajectory, he's in the Heisman hunt. Easily. I'm not yeah. saying he's gonna win it. I'm just saying he's he's gonna be on those lists of like the, the top ten guys that are like on the Heisman trophy watch list. As a quarterback. Dude, I'm ready for it, man. I like honestly, if the Cal Stadium doesn't have the Dave Chappelle, Sam Jackson clips ready to go like <laughs> what are you guys doing with your time i don't understand like you all need to have that ready to go if we're not running samuel jackson clips like all freaking game <laughs> here's a, a just off that note a, a cal g bear one tweeted at us how terrorist will the sam jackson memes become when our qb is a household name you know because of fully expected stuff like Heisman buzz and undefeated Cal in the playoff conversation. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Read my mind. <laughs> oh, snap. read my mind. Okay. Wow. A thousand yards from Sam Jackson. All right. I'm here for it. If that happens, I'm here for it. Um, I'm absolutely here for it. Uh, you will not hear it. The end of it from Andy on this podcast. If, <laughs> if he starts off, like let's say this upcoming week with like 150 rushing yards, <laughs> like you will not hear the end of it. You have given this man, all the ammo he needs for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from there he doesn't even have to average like hundred. Like it's it's cake from there. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh, Spav, Spav, you have a lot to do to to keep Andy happy. To keep Andy happy. All right. Um, I got another one. Uh, going off that thousand yard stat thing. I think Jeremiah Hunter. Has a a thousand yards receiving this season, and over 
70 catches. Did he not hit 1,000 last year? I thought he did. Did he? Let me double check. But I think he does it again in this new offense, which is okay. supposedly supposed to, you know, uh, spread the ball out a little bit. But I can take a little, I can take a quick peek here. Jeremiah Hunter he had 965 on 60 catches. Uh, I knew he was close. That's a bummer. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he has over 65 catches for over 1,000 yards. I mean, dude, I hope so. I like I can't see a world in that we're competitive enough if that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know. Yep. All right. You got another one? Well, it's not as hot as my other ones, but I think um I think Jaden Ott will not be the all-purpose leader from our running back room. And I don't know who it will be, but I just don't think it will be Jaden. What do you mean by all-purpose? Like just uh, like think, yards from scrimmage? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty. It's a hot take for me. I, it's a simmering take because it's not promoting my boy Jaden, who I love. But I think, I don't know. I, I could see Stradick coming in or uh, Isaiah or like I'm, – I'm quite curious to sort of see like what happens there. Um. But I think like the bigger take here is that I don't think the O line will be <coughs> the point, the main point of our frustration. I'm trying to think like I don't know if it'll be like tight ends or I'm like quite curious like where our eyes are going to go towards. But I don't see it being O line um, related. I think we're going to be able to to run the ball well. I am in agreement. I am absolutely in agreement. Um. All right, I got another hot take here. Uh, this one, this one's, this one's, this one's been uh, sitting in Cal fans' minds for quite a while. So, I think, I think, college game day visits Berkeley this season. No way! Uh, After five and zero, oh, and then we lose all four. <laughs> <laughs> not, not on that trajectory. Like, it's not going to happen if that happens. Um, but the, the weekends that I'm looking out for is, is that Oregon state week and also, um, the SC week. The Oregon state one, that's, that does line up with my, <laughs> my season projections. Yeah. Cause that means if, if your season's projections are correct, then that means you'd have Cal sitting at five uh, at uh, five and zero, and Oregon State probably sitting at five and zero. Going into a game on Saturday night in the Pac-12, and at that point, if we're five and zero, I'd I'd be very surprised if we were, weren't ranked. Yeah, um, no, we'd have to. You'd have ranked. to. We would have beaten Auburn and yeah, we'd be in the top twenty-five for sure. So that'd be a top twenty-five matchup on the West Coast, and it make and. We haven't, we haven't played um, like that, and it's homecoming weekend. Um, so that's there's good storylines. There. There's there's a lot of storylines there. Um, that would be that would be one to watch. I think it could happen. I'm just give me one second as I check 
any other games that happened that week that might have that. So October 7th. Um, all right, let's see. On Saturday, uh, Kentucky, Georgia, Michigan, Minnesota, Maryland, OSU, Alabama, Texas A&M. Oh, maybe that one. Um, have they announced uh, game day for week two? I don't. Where are they going for week one? I have no yeah. idea. I know Fox is going to t- uh, TCU. Big noon, big noon kickoff is going to TCU. So, but I don't know where ESPN is going. Battle of the Carolinas. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean Oklahoma, Texas is that day too. Um. But yeah, Oregon, Oregon Cal also sits there. So, Oregon State Cal. So who knows? Maybe, maybe that's the. I'm like curious if we end up like beating, like if we end up being one to zero, and Auburn's coming to town, and if there's not other like interesting matchups, if that would be, I think you're like it's interesting, right? Because. The idea that they've never come is also a reason for them to come. So, like, does that? Yeah, I mean, there's no top 25 matchups as of right now, next Saturday. Um, they're yeah, all so pre- like, they're all pretty tame matchups. If we beat North Texas and Sam Jackson runs for 200 yards and Jay Knott runs for 100 plus yards, like, like if we beat North Texas with some. With some finesse. Oh no! Never, never mind, Andy. I take that back. No, they probably won't be coming to us that second week. <laughs> no, that, just, at least not week just two. Ruining my. <laughs> this, no, no, no. I was mid prophecy. I know. Here. I know you were mid prophecy, but <laughs> there's a matchup here that I'm pretty sure they're going to go to, which is Texas at Alabama. Oh, who cares about that? <laughs> a potential top ten matchup by week two. <laughs> What about the flair of, of beating North Yeah, I, I mean, unless ESPN is like in... I mean, look, it, we are the ESPN night game, right? That Auburn yeah. Cal game is already scheduled for ESPN at 7.30. So it does make sense if you want to set up uh, game day here on the West Coast. Um, but yeah, I think that Texas-Alabama game at 4 p.m., that's probably, that's probably what they're aiming at. Yep. But yeah, yeah, I think uh I think we finally get it in the fi- in the final year of the Pac-12. We uh we get college game day. How hyped would you be if I that love happened? that. Unbelievably hyped. Would you would you try make make your way out there? Like not for the, not 6 for the 6 a.m. stuff, but like just to like see the oh, see no. the stuff. I'd be there for the 6 a.m. You'd be there at 6 a.m.? Yeah, I have to. Dude, we're talking about like a life moment. <laughs> yes. Those that's what I'm saying, dude. That's what the specialness. All right, this is where we're gonna wrap this podcast. This is what the specialness of, of college football is all about. This is it. Like, that's a hall pass moment, dude. That's a hall pass moment. College game day is coming to the Berkeley campus for the first time. First of all, anytime I'm getting up pre 6 a.m., I think most people in my life would probably give me an award just for trying to do that. So let alone you know, taking advantage of the fact that you know we're we're experiencing something for the first time. I think that's is that's an easy hey, I'll get you back on this one, but I need to be there. 
But uh, I, don't be surprised if I have Eva in my arms and she's there, too. You're, you're doing the whole Simba, Simba camp thing on college game day at 6 a.m.? Dude, I'm so ready for Simba um, camp. I am so ready for Simba oh camp. My oh, my Cal God. Athletics, if you're listening to this, you just got to search out this one man. Search out this CC. one man. Section CC. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's CC. Or C. It could be C. Somewhere in the mid-40 range. 40 to 45. Uh, All right, Andy, before I close out, Two two or three minutes on the North Texas game. What do you what are your thoughts for our season opener in Denton? Oh, I mean the big things, what are we looking for? Like we need to see the D line dominate. We need to see the a win in the trenches. We didn't see a win in the trenches the entire last season. And I think uh it would give a lot of fans a lot of enthusiasm to see that we were able to win that battle. Uh we have not done well historically against like non power five opponents in dominating the battle in the trenches so i think for me like that's what i would want to see i'm expecting to see an electric offense lots of speed um you know taking advantage of jay not taking advantage of sam jackson uh bigger plays downfield just wildly different from a little bit more of like the controlled offense that we have seen you know, fast, whether it means getting to the line, fast execution, fast players, uh, more highlight plays. And I think if you ideally walk away there, putting up almost 50, you know, something like a 48-21, uh, I think a lot of fans get pretty excited about what we might look like against Auburn the next week. Yeah, if you do, do a drop, hashtag drop 50. That would be yeah. nice. That would be very nice. What do you think, Rob? I think you're right. I think the battle in the trenches is the one thing I want to see the offensive line dominate. It's uh, conceptually like the things that I saw in fall camp. I would love to see them execute uh, in a game and just that sets the tempo. Um, You know, just having the fireworks of the offense would definitely go a long way considering how offenses have historically performed during the Wilcox tenure. Um. So yeah, getting getting that just off the ground, scoring in bunches, um, having the fans you know have ex- something exciting to talk about uh, because you know defense wins championships, but offense gets the glory. So you you kind of want um, that offense to kind of showcase itself a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think the uh, for Denton, Texas, yeah, come out with the win and an emphatic win like don't leave it up to chance at the end don't leave it just come out of the gates like have we should be up you know like 28 to 7 at the half and just like continually dominate the rest of the game i know there's rumors that they're potentially playing two different quarterbacks one of them who is chandler rogers who visited cal and was on our radar you know during the transfer portal he is at least on the depth chart he didn't win out the job but they did say, sorry, <clears throat> they did say he was going to get, you know, some chances to play. So we'll see that. Looking at the depth chart for Texas, there's not a single position where we don't dominate physically. Like their entire defense is a lot smaller than our offense across the board. Like we should be physically dominating the game on top of them having a new coach. And half of basically more than half their defense being new faces. Like North Texas could get better as the season progresses, but this is a game where we should come out and 
and just be like, look, we've been a team longer than you have. That's all. That's all that needs to be said. Love it. I can't wait. Oh, well, that was a long one, but uh, that wraps it us wraps it up for us here on the California Golden Bear cast. You can find us on uh, Twitter or elsewhere. You can send us an email at uh, goldenbearcast at gmail.com. Also, uh, Ride for California is having a away game watch party at Tokyo Beer. Um, RSVPs are uh, helpful. So it's on the Ride for California website. It's just a simple, it's it's a free RSVP. Um, you can do that. Join us. Uh, watch the game. Um, the venue opens at 12. Kickoff's at 1. Uh, food. Great beers. Andy can attest to. Yes. Uh, I'm so pissed to be missing this. I saw it. I was like, oh, my gosh. But I'll be there eventually. Yeah, we will be. We're, uh, we're planning to do this for every single away game this year. So, um, tell me, is there a uh, what are we, are you doing like a projection, like a project, like a projector? There is, like yeah, there a is wall? a projector on on uh, at the venue. Love it. We're gonna make it like mid Midwest yeah. sports yes, watching. Yes, and I was also told that there's gonna be a live DJ, not during the game, but apparently playing after the game. So. Whether we win or lose, what? we will dance the night away, folks. So, uh, all right, I got to get on that DJ list. Do it, <laughs> do it. Talk to young one. <laughs> I absolutely <Yeah>. will. <laughs> do it for one of the away games. Oh, we got to plan this. We got to yeah. plan this where you have to do it after one of the away games. I'll text yeah. them right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, get that RCPN. Come hang out with us. Hang out with the writing staff. Hang out with uh, the other Cal communities, and just let's just. Uh, We'll probably have uh, Rico or some of the other guys lead the drinking song. Um, and so it's it's going to be a grand old time. Come on out. Enjoy the nice weather here in the Bay Area and some Cal football. Um, I think that's it. And Let's come out. Yeah. Let's, Let's go. do this. I'm pumped. Saturday. Just win, baby. Just win. Just dominate. Win by 50. Drop 50. Hashtag drop 50 is back with stab. <laughs> All right. That wraps it up for us, and as always, go Bears. Go Bears.